0: 2 Corinthians chapter 11, then we'll look at Matthew chapter 7, maybe even to John 10, we'll see. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you would, let's read the first 12 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is the writer, of course, to the church at Corinth. It's his second letter and his first letter, he skinned them pretty hard. (laughs) Second letter, he smoothed them, gave them a little bit of salve, but he still had some things to say. But he's given some important instruction here That I think is important for the church today. I know it's important for the church today. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed, you would bear with me. For I am jealous over you. This is the apostle talking to the church. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel. You have not accepted. That you may well put up with it. Now did you hear what Paul said? He said I'm jealous over you. With godly jealousy. You're mine. I'm responsible for you. He said now I'm concerned. That you may be corrupted from the simplicity which is Christ. Christ. Listen to this. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus or another, by another spirit, there's more, than, people, there's more than one spirit in the world. We're supposed to try the spirits to see whether they be of God. Hello? Or a different gospel. So that tells you that there are there are a different Jesus, there is a different Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel. He says, I'm afraid that you'll put up with it. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech. Hmm. Boy, I want to preach there just a second because, you know, people today, if you've got charisma and can turn a phrase, put a message together, preach the paint off the walls. Hey, I like people that have charisma and can put a sentence together and can preach the paint off of the walls. Nothing wrong with that. But that's, but that's not the measure. I'm afraid most of our churches wouldn't welcome Paul today because he wasn't a great speaker. (laughs) Though I'm untrained in speech, yet I'm not in knowledge, content. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things... Did I, did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I, I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. I, he, uh, there's, there's rebuke going on right here. <laughs> He's saying, man, at the last church I, I preached at had not taking care of me, I'd have starved to death at yours. <laughs> but I didn't say anything to you. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> and when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lack, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I kept myself, so I, and so I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Acacia. Why? Because I, why? Because I do not love you. God knows. You know, he said that to the Galatian church too. He said, what? He said, have, he said you'd have given me your, your eyes. He said before, he said, what now? Have I become your enemy because I've told you the truth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But what I do, verse 12, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded as we are in the things of which they boast. Know what's he saying? I'm not going to shut up because they haven't shut up. I'm going to keep preaching and correcting you so that what they're trying to teach you and boast about doesn't infect you. Boy, preacher, you better speak up. Saint of God, you better speak up. When you're silent, they're not. (laughs) For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. The enemy and his ministers come as angels of light. It's no wonder, Paul told the Galatian church, if I or an angel come to you with any other gospel than which I have given you, let them be accursed. It's no wonder, for Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. But the end will be according to their works or their fruit. Matthew chapter 7. Can we look there real quick? Verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate enter by the narrow gate Jesus is speaking for the wide gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go by in it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few that find it Beware of false apostles, false prophets. A warning from Jesus himself. Who come to you in sheep's clothing. Uh Uh-oh, now we're seeing something different. Paul said that that, that that Satan himself could come to you as an angel of light, transforming himself into an angel of light. Jesus is talking to him about coming to you as a sheep. One of you. And I noticed something yesterday. First time in my my life. Let me read it to you. Beware of false prophets. Who come to you? You don't have to look for them or go to them. They will come to you. Are you interested yet? Beware. Now it doesn't say they might or could. It says they will. Who will come to you? I'll keep reading so in case you think that I'm making something there that's not there. Who come to you in sheep's clothing? Sheep. You know who sheep? Sheep. Members of the flock. Yeah? But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. Let me help you. How do you know you got an apple tree? Bites fruit. Somebody can tell you, sell you a plum tree. You can go, to, you can go to, the, to, to the nursery and buy a plum tree if you don't know anything about them and take them home two or three years later, four years later when they start to bear fruit and it bears apples. It don't make any difference what that salesman told you. And it don't make any difference what you thought you bought. When that plum tree that you bought at the at the nursery produces apples, I got news for you. You've got an apple tree. How many of you's ever had a litter of kittens? Uh, there's a bunch of you in here who got a litter kitten at some point in your life. I don't know how many times I've seen people take a cat home and they said, oh, "This one's a male," <laughs> and about two months later, you have evidence that it's not a not. Anybody ever had that happen? Guess what? It doesn't make any difference. What they thought they gave you or what you thought you received. The evidence says by by their fruits you shall know them. Even so, listen to this statement, every good tree Bears good fruit. How many good trees bear good fruit? Every good tree bears good fruit. How many? Every good tree. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That'll mess with some denominational doctrine because it says every tree That does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. All that doesn't mean what that says. Yes, it does. Jesus spoke plainly. He spoke in parable often and about things that people knew what he was talking about. So they would not have any chance of misunderstanding him. It's not locked up in a mystery. He said, I, Paul, back in the Corinthian letter, he says, uh, he says, I'm concerned that you're going to get away and believe the simplicity that is Christ. Yeah. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, what's that therefore for? In light of what he just said, therefore, as always, in light of what I've just said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Keep reading. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many, somebody, how many? Many. What did he just say a paragraph earlier? Broad is the way, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many there shall be who find it. But narrow is the way, And difficult, or narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. These scriptures are not disconnected. Same discourse, same subject, same context. Many will say to me in that day, what day? Judgment day. Hmm. I'm just reading scripture. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, scariest, most frightening words in the book. Sober, maybe I should say sobering. Lord, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Have we not done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who practice lawlessness. Therefore, he who hears, these sayings of mine. Who's it to? The, the ones who hear. Listen, this is this next, this is those who just hear, those who hear me what I just said. If you hear me and do them. Half this message is just scripture this morning. Those who hear me and does them. It's not enough to hear. James warned you, he said, don't be hearers of the word only. But be doers of the word. Hello? This is in your Bible too. If You read it slowly and digest it. Hear it. It'll speak to you. Is it speaking yet? He who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. I'll go ahead and tell you, the rock is Christ Jesus. The rock is Christ Jesus. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood is not revealed to this to you, Simon Barjona, but my Father, which is in heaven. He says, and today, he said, and thou art Peter, and upon this rock, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It says, those who hear and do these sayings of mine, they shall be likened to a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and it will. And the floods came, we know they do. And the winds blew and beat on the house. Somebody needs to hear me. When you're in Christ, the winds are going to come. The the rains are going to come. The floods are going to come. The wind is going to beat on your house. Narrow is the gate. Difficult is the way. The wind is going to blow on your house. The rains descended. The floods came. Now listen, I learned in Imelda what what it looks and sounds like for the rains to descend. Were you here through Imelda? Were you here through, through Harvey? If you wasn't here, then you don't know. I've seen it rain a lot of times. But four years ago tomorrow night, I heard the rains descend. Yeah? I'm trying to get the picture in your head of what he's selling you. He shall be likened unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the rains descended and the flood came. When the rains descend, the flood comes. <laughs> we ought to know that. And the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, same thing. But the difference is, and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man. You can hear the gospel over and over, and the word of God over and over, and the principles, and the doctrines, and 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 the word of God, and hear it. And if you don't do it, you're a fool. I didn't say it. He said it. You should be like a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain descended. The floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And it didn't just fall. It says, and great was its fall. Look at a few things. I'm helping you. I don't see any distinction between the house. I think the house looks the same. Many were saying to that, me that day, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy? Didn't I do wonders? Didn't I cast out devils in your name? He says, depart from me. Every tree that bears, every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit. A a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Beware of the false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing? He can come to you as an angel of light. They can come to you like sheep. What they look like is not the determining factor. The words out of the... (laughs) Hello? Hello? There's no distinction between the house the same. There's no distinction between the floods, the rain that descends, or the wind that blows. It's the same storm. It's the same storm. The determining factor was what the house was actually built on. The truth of God's Word that is Jesus Christ. Hello. The difference in the builders is they both heard what to build on. One built on the rock. One built on the sand. Side by side with the landscaping in and the curb appeal in place. There's a lot of curb appeal in the churches today. It fights all the way to church and Shouts and praises the Lord when it gets there. The curb appeal is the same. Oh, that doesn't. I'm not talking about you have a bad day. Because sometimes that happens. You know, Lionel Richie wrote "Easy Like Sunday Morning." Lionel Richie obviously never went to church. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh, it no. What he's talking about speaks in tongues on Sunday and cusses you out on Monday. It shouts all over the house. I would to God somebody would, but it but it can't walk a straight line when its feet hits the ground. Hello, fruit. Come to talk to you about a mandate of the gospel. I posted it late last night on Facebook. I had, back in 2012, in the early part of the year, I had two dreams that changed my life. Now, people, I'm not talking about bad pizza or, or, or eating pizza too late or, 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 or bad spaghetti. I'm going to tell you about, usually I tell you about both of them or tell you about the first first. Today, I'm just going to talk to you about the second. They changed my life. They changed, they changed everything about me. Before I went full time into ministry. A mandate. Listen, we have a mandate from God. Pastor, preacher, evangelist, leader, if you don't know you have a mandate from God, you ought to step down. That's the truth. If you're a life coach, I read it if you're a life coach, that's wonderful. Go do that. But if you're a pastor, do that. If you're in the pulpit and you're a life coach, but you ain't a pastor, you're 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 in the wrong place. Get out of it. <laughs> a pastor is a shepherd and a protector and who feeds the sheep and who loves them and is jealous over them. It's willing to do whatever it takes. If that's not you, if you're just coaching people. There's plenty of places for you to go coach. Get out of the pulpit. If you're in the pulpit and you're a life coach but you don't have a mandate from heaven, you are a false prophet is what you are. Boy, that's strong. You know what? In the church house. People get all said, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, you know what the old cliche is? I'd rather go to church with a hypocrite than go to hell with them. That's for sure. That was a nervous laughter. (laughs) When I come into this place, I come for one reason. It's to stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. When When the church was created... For one reason, and, it, and it's not a seeker sensitive version that creates a, a service and a church and an atmosphere for the sinner. That is a misconception in the world today, hear me. It's a misconception that the church is for the sinner, the church is for the saint. Oh, that, that hits you so hard that, you, that the, now you think I'm a heretic. No, the church and the ministry is for for the equipping of the saints. The sinners come in and get saved? Absolutely, they do. But the church, see, in a seeker-sensitive generation, we've allowed an angel of light to come into the house. What it does is it creates an atmosphere that makes no one uncomfortable. We got a whole generation that thinks anything that's uncomfortable, is bad. Sometimes it's discomfort. It's the only thing that's going to move you to anything. You know, I, 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 I buy new shoes sometimes when, the, when the, the ones I have are no longer comfortable. Hmm. I could talk a while about that. The church and the ministry is to hear the Word of God straight up and straight out according to what it says and and its intent is to reprove and rebuke and encourage. That's the mandate. It's to challenge your life and equip you to live it for God. It's not so you can build big buildings, have thousands of people and millions of dollars, and keep it all going and talk about what a big church you have. Many there will be in that day. that says to me, Lord, Lord. Hello? He even talked about it'll look like sheep. Not everybody that, that has on wool is a sheep. How do I know the difference? By their fruit. If their fruit is rotten, you need to quit eating at their table. Mm. 2012. The first dream I had, I'll share a later dime. I've shared it here before. But it was about the condition of the church. That's why I make no bones about it, I preach about it all the time the condition of the church. Because it's a mandate. It doesn't make any difference if it's, the, if, it's the, if it's the traditional version of the church or the modern and slick version of the church. It's in the same condition. The condition of the church. The second one was about the reason for the condition. Are you okay? In this dream, I pulled up to a building. It was a plain building. A, just a, it was out in the country, really. And it was, just, it was really just a steel structure. No, no frills, no nothing. It, just, it looked like a, a, a steel building. Much like this one, only it didn't have rock or windows or anything. It just had a door in the side. That was it. On that side, anyway. Tall walls, plain Jane. I came there to preach. When I walked in the door, I walked in the door that was was on the side of the building towards the rear. When I walked in the door, I was on the platform when I walked in. The pastor met me at the platform. I was there to preach. And when I walked in, I pretty immediately realized that I walked in that I had to bend over like this, standing on the, to stand in the building. And I didn't say anything, but I thought, how strange is this? That they built a building that you can't stand up in. And people started arriving for church, you know how that does, they were, they were wandering in. But I noticed when they wandered in, that they were not only not standing up, but that most of them were on all fours, crawling through the back door, mingling among the aisles, just like people do before church starts. But I not only noticed, I still hadn't said anything, I not only noticed that they were on all fours when they came in, I thought, how strange, they can't stand up, the ceilings are too low. And I thought, on the outside it has 20-foot walls, there's enough room in that structure for people to build a building that people can stand up in. What's the deal? This is all in my mind, yes? But then I started noticing that the people crawling around on all fours as they came to church, the the further they crawled and the more they mingled and making their way to their seats, the dirtier they got. And I started to take note that they were filthy as they crawled in. And that's when I was already bent over that I reached down and touched the ground and realized that the ceilings were not low, that the floor was high. You follow? You follow? And when I reached down and touched the floor I realized that the room was full to the point that people couldn't stand of manure Yes Paul called it dung manure excrement filthy And the people were crawling around in it on all fours and so much of it that they couldn't stand up. And I said, Pastor, why in the world is this place full of manure? It's filthy. It's nasty. People can't even stand. Grab a shovel. I'll help you. I was there to preach. I will help you clean it up. We'll get this done. And he looked at me and said, doesn't bother us. Just like that. Doesn't bother us. He even said in the dream, why does it bother you? And I said, no, really. Let's, I'll help you. Let's get it done. Let's clean this out. Let's make it, let's make it clean and comfortable where people can stand. Let's, let's make it where people can stand and stand upright. And now with irritation in his voice and displeasure on his face, He said, it's fine. It doesn't bother us. The Pastor. And I woke up. And I sat up on my bed about 2 o'clock in the morning. I think it was in February of 2012, if I remember correctly. And I thought, as I had a few weeks earlier about another dream, I thought, what a strange dream. I, don't, I, hardly, I hardly ever dream and remember it. Still, though, I hardly ever dream and remember it. Almost never. But this was vivid and clear. And I went to lay back down, play it, I like to sleep. Just so you know, I like to sleep. I went to lay back down and kind of just think, well, that was strange. And when I went to lay back down a voice that is familiar to me began to speak to me. That calls me by name. Do you know that God calls? He knows my name. J.R., I've showed you the condition of my church. Now I'm showing you the reason. He said, my church, he said, is full A false doctrine. False teaching. Another gospel. From another Jesus. By another spirit. And my people are satisfied with it. And my preachers don't care enough to do anything about it. Because they know if they change it if they clean it up they have to admit they were wrong. They have to deal with the filth and they have to deal with the people. To clean it up you have to repent. And he said it's so full that my people cannot stand upright and stand on who I am and what I've done. The bottom line was we're more, we're more married to our routine and our false doctrine and our junk than we are to the truth of who He is, to the simplicity which is Christ. False, a different Jesus. By a different spirit. A different gospel. Which is not another. He said I've shown you. The the condition. And I've shown you the reason. And I've called you. It is your mandate. It changed me. When people come against me, when leadership comes against me, whenever, uh, here's one thing I can tell you today, if you know anything about me, I've been standing up to a few things lately. I'm always standing up to something. You say, do you think it's your calling to right every wrong? I do not. I think it is my calling to be, to, to, to preach the word of God straight. To declare what is true and to rebuke what is false. He didn't 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 come to correct the world's problems or call us to correct the world's problems. He didn't save you to fix all your problems. I'll remind you that the rains are going to descend. The floods are going to come. The wind is going to pound. But the house will not fall because it is founded upon the rock. The one that looks just like it the one that looks just like it has the same storm and it will and it will not only fall but great will be its fall it matters what we teach it matters what we believe it matters what we're willing to say it matters what we're not willing to say it matters it matters what you stand for it matters what you will not stand for it doesn't matter the, how 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 big the ministry how many people at the ministry how many people attend the ministry how much support the ministry got if it's if it's if it's false it will fall it will deceive it will lead astray hear me we're not talking about little things that people argue over that the nuances of that, that, that the, within the family that people argue over, we're talking about false ways. Well, hear me. All of my life, I've heard dumb statements like this. You've heard me just chew the straw and spit out the sticks, just eat the chicken and spit out the bones. Talking about preachers and talking about the things they preach that are blatant errors. Said it before I'll say it again. The poison is in the meat. He says to eat the meat and spit out the poison. I was never going to eat the bones, anybody's bones. Hello? What a dumb statement. The poison's in the meat. <laughs> the gospel, what the, the book talks about. It. it said, You come for what is not meat? hello mag church you've got to know what's true you've got to know what's right and listen when our lives don't agree with the word of God your life has to change the word will never change forever O Lord thy word is settled in heaven it's settled it says heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. The word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces even, it pierces let me the word is piercing. When Peter preached to the crowds of the day of Pentecost it says they were cut to their heart. The word is piercing. So far that it will divide soul and spirit, it's the only thing that can. Joints and marrow. And it's a deserter of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Well, much of what they say is good. I keep listening to them. Oh, but they got me through. Oh, I have this experience. Oh, I have that experience. Oh, it got me through this. It got me through that. Most of what they say is good. Every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good, listen to me, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. You say, so we're we're against everybody that don't get it just right? Do you always get it right? That's not what he's saying. He's talking about the principles of the gospel. The foundations that you build on. What is true about him and what is not true about him. The truth of the gospel, you only get there by humbling yourself. If any man comes after me, he must first deny himself take up his cross and follow me let me give you a few examples the fruit of the spirit is not preaching about that you have the biggest house in Louisiana that I've got chandeliers 20 of them that cost more than your home The truth of the gospel is, is God's gonna keep me alive and it's not God's gonna keep me alive until I'm a billionaire. The goal of the gospel is not to, it's not, it's not to make you rich. It's a false way. The goal of the gospel it's not for you to have experiences that can't be backed up by the Word of God. Everything's, if you base your life on what you experience, He will make sure you have deceiving and lying signs. Didn't I do signs in your name, wonders in your name? Depart from me, I never knew you. That's not the standard. The standard is, thus saith the Lord. That's the standard. It doesn't change with the times. In a post modern world, a post Christian America, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same. He doesn't change with the times. It doesn't matter what's culturally relevant or politically correct. It doesn't matter what will draw a crowd, bring in money, fill up the house, or does it? It doesn't matter. The only hope that the world has that mankind has it's for somebody to stand up against all the winds the false winds of doctrine and declare what is true according to the word of God that's it sometimes it will make you mad you know how I know sometimes I love this book I love this word And I love him. And sometimes I wish I hadn't read some things. Because you know why? It corrects me. It rebukes me. It tells me that I've got to change. And when it does, I can hear it and not do it. But if I build on that, when the storm comes, it's going to fall. Let me help you. If you buy into this garbage of health, wealth, and prosperity, what are you going to think about God when you're dying of cancer? That's right. That's right. Because you might. Because He never promised us, ever, that we wouldn't get sick. You want to know that. Because how in the world is He going to heal somebody if they've never been sick? He didn't come to fix the world's problems. It wasn't about the world. He didn't come in. That's why it is such a false gospel. It's another gospel by another Jesus, by another spirit that comes into churches and says that the church is preparing the world for Christ's return. That is garbage. That is unscriptural. It doesn't matter if it's my best friend that's preaching it and I have some very close friends that are preaching that garbage. It doesn't matter if I or an angel come to you with any other gospel, let them be accursed. Let them repent. It doesn't matter. The church is not preparing the world for Jesus Christ. There's nowhere in it that you will find that. The church is, and the, the mandate that Jesus came with was to seek and to save that which was lost. It's to prepare a people for heaven, not to prepare heaven for. It, it's not our job. We're not preparing. We're not preparing an earth for Jesus and the millennial reign. Jesus went away to prepare a place for us. That's clear. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Psalm. <laughs> Uh, An acquaintance on Facebook posted a picture of a guy's gold crown. Said he had a broke tooth and they went and prayed and God gave him a gold filling. That's stupidity. It's gold divine. I thought I got a broke tooth. Can I have one? You don't believe in miracles? Of course I believe in miracles. You know what I always wonder? Why a gold crown? Why not just new tooth? I don't read anywhere where he ever fixed anybody up. Can I, Have you ever read anywhere in the Word of God where he fixed him up? He didn't give Blind Bartimaeus a cataract surgery or a pair of glasses. He healed his eyes. Yeah. remember when he spit in the dirt and made a mud ball and put it in his eyes I'm like you I believe that man didn't even have any eyes because I know that man was formed out of the dust of the earth and God breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and man became a living soul that Jesus just simply reached down into, and, got, uh, and, and, and got a little of that dust and made it into something that he was missing and put it in eyes gold tooth gold dust you think this is silly because i teach you right but all over the world people are falling for this garbage didn't i do signs in your name didn't i do wonders in your name i never knew you because at the same time they're chanting the gandalf on the platform and they're talking about the new age from the platform They're talking about taking the truth of the new age and truth of this and truth of that when all truth belongs to God and everything that is true is in that book. Everything that's true is in this book. Let me tell you something. All things that pertain to life and to godliness are in this book. It's in this book. And it's not, oh, I'll take it. Oh, he said some really good things. So did Mussolini. But did we make a hero out of him? Adolf Hitler was a fantastic orator. Do you know that? He mesmerized the masses at the twilight. He done his speeches at the golden hour of the day and mesmerized the masses. You know what he was? He was the devil incarnate. Are you hearing me? The ability to be persuasive is not the measure. Listen to me, Church of America and the world. I speak to the Church of America and the world often. I told the Sunday school class this morning that I speak to the America because I'm an American and in America and this is where I'm at. And I speak to the world because the America, because the whole world looks to the American church for its guide. And right now we are off, we are adrift, pulled away from our moorings and we are being driven by every wind and wave of doctrine. But I got to tell you, come back to the book. Come back to the book. Look on him and live. And he, there will never hear me. He is never going to pour out his spirit into a dirty vessel. Are you hearing me? He is never going to, you can never, this is Bishop Tim Hill. I wish I would have said it first, but since I didn't, I'll say it here. Hear it. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. You can never be more spiritual than you are scriptural. Didn't go over well, but it's still good. It's still right. I'll say it again. You can never, oh, they're so spiritual. They might. Listen, I'm for every Holy Ghost manifestation there is. When the Holy Ghost is in the room, if you want to run, shout, cry, do cartwheels down the aisle, I'll cartwheel with you. But I don't have any patience for that garbage when God's not in it. And I can tell you, God's not in it whenever you're not scriptural. I don't care who you are. You can never, because that's what people are looking at. They're too lazy It's 1215. i got to shut up. We've become too lazy to read the book for ourselves. We don't have time. Whatever you have time for that keeps you out of the book and out of the prayer closet is an idol. I can tell you it's an idol. I'll tell you again, it's an idol. If you don't have time for the Word and you don't have time to talk to God, you are lost in idolatry. Repent and come back to the book. Learn who He is. Learn what He's done. Talk to God. There's no other options. There's no other way. There's no shortcuts. You won't fall forever every bit of garbage that comes down and, call, and writes itself in a book. and sells a million copies. You will know. If you get full of this word, you won't need the, the gift of discerning of spirits. has nothing to do with the biblical discernment. The gift of discerning of spirits is when the Spirit of God sovereignly moves in a spirit-filled believer that they, can, that they can tell sovereignly what spirit is motivating something or somebody. That's discerning of spirits. Discernment comes from the book. Discernment, not a, discernment is not a gift. Discernment is a discipline. Discerning of spirits will tell you that looks like a sheep, Baths like a sheep, eats like a sheep, talks like a sheep, walks like a sheep, but it's a wolf. That's what discerning of spirits will do because it looks right, it sounds right, it acts right, but it's not right. That's what discerning of spirits will do when he comes to you dressed Then he looks like a sheep, but he's a ravenous wolf. That's what discerning of spirits will do. Discerning a spirits is when he comes to you as an angel of light. He says, don't be so surprised that these people are doing this in the church. The devil himself comes as an angel of light. The spotlights will hit their white suit. And the choir will sing. And chill bumps will... By the way, chill bumps are not any indication... I've got chill bumps when they call the hogs before not last night but I have before I've got chill bumps when Whitney Houston used to hit that modulation singing I'll always love you I mean it was wow chill bumps are not the indication of it's God is it in the book the lights come on. The lights hit the suit. The choir sings. The masses. Ten thousand of them fall over here because they coughed. <laughs> While they're all living like hell. Yes. Yes. Yea, verily. He <laughs> 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 Am I preaching to anybody this morning? The gospel might not change your feelings, right. but it'll change your life. That's right. it will. You're probably not ever going to get any angel feathers on you at Mag. <laughs> I can't get up high enough to get them chicken feathers in the vents. And I don't know where gold dust comes from because I don't know that heaven has dust. <laughs> I don't think it does. Because dust is, is a byproduct of death. <clears throat> dust <laughs> without the breath of God is dead. I don't think that's it. I don't have the money for it. What if you get glitter in their eyes and then you had to pay for their... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever have gemstones as big as baseballs, we're selling them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Paying this place off. Y'all, y'all even know what I'm talking about? Can I ask you a question? Why do intelligent people fall for this garbage? Why? Why, do, why, do they, why are they sending money to these clowns? Preacher has money, or a pe- person has money. Does that mean that they're a clown? No. When what by the fruit, what comes out of their mouth, how they live, what their priorities are. God don't mind if you got money, as long as money don't have you. But that's hard for most people. Mm. Church, I come this morning. It's a message of clarity. It's a message of warning, just as it was from Paul and from Jesus. And Peter and Jude and James. Hello? Tell us, Lord, how will we know when these things will be? Be not deceived. Let no man deceive you, he says. Oh, that's quiet. He says, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Paul says, I'm jealous over you. I'm warning you. I'm writing to you. I'm concerned for you that you'll be drawn away from the simplicity that is Christ. I'm trying to hurry. i got a few more things to say. may pick it up tonight. I might not. say, do you know what you're preaching tonight? Probably not. Y'all don't know that I have a dozen things ready to go all the time and sometimes I don't know where I'm going until I walk up the steps. That's true. I tell Heather on Saturday night, I don't know what I'm preaching tomorrow. She doesn't even listen to me no more. She just goes to sleep. <laughs> Has no concern for it whatsoever. She said, you'll think of something. (laughs) Well, this is a bomb to drop this late in the service. But I'm going to drop it anyway. I told them in Sunday school, I'm going to tell you this morning. This will help you. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's plan for your life are incompatible with the American dream. I didn't expect any shouts. Didn't expect a single amen or any applause because it's sobering. Because I, like you, have spent most of my life filtering the gospel and the word of God through the American dream. And even through the American Constitution. Even through our political system and our way of life. And the gospel's universal, it's not American. And God has dreams and plans for every person in this building. And they're not dependent upon the American dream. God has a plan for your life. The enemy has a plan for your life. They both do. One's a good plan, a perfect plan, and one that that is not to, that is good and not evil. That is to prosper you. One is to destroy you. Yes, right. And if he can ever get you chasing your own dreams, let me tell you, he can and will destroy you. Amen. Amen. Those who those who give their life will save it. Those who lose their life for his sake and the gospel's sake will gain it. You don't not say, tomorrow I will do this or to do that. You should say, if the Lord wills tomorrow, I will do this or I will do that. Listen, God has a plan for your life. It says the very steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And if you think that you can order your own steps, he will let you. But I'm going to tell you, when the storm comes, the rains descend, the floods come, the wind beats against your house, It may be the biggest house on the block, next to the biggest house on the block, but it will fall. And great will be the fall of it. Self-succeeding. The self-gospel. I may preach about the self-gospel. Oh, It'll upset you. I'm glad I saved it for not Sunday morning. It'll upset you. Because the self-gospel will talk about self-forgiveness. I, I just haven't forgiven myself. I need to forgive myself. The word has nothing to say about forgiving yourself. That's, that's idolatry. That's self-idolatry. Well, it's a self-esteem. That's the, that's the gospel of self. That's pride. That's not, that's not humility. That's pride. The, it's not a gospel of if any man comes after me, listen to me. He must first what? First thing, deny yourself. Jesus didn't come to fix you up. He came to make you something new. I beseech you, I'm begging, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself, who? You present yourself a living sacrifice. It means you're not physically going to die, but everything about you has to die. As a sacrifice, not as a not as a not as a penalty. As a sacrifice, put it on the altar. You're not hearing me. You present your your body, your body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And listen to what He says: which is your reasonable service. That's what you can do. Everybody looking for what God can do? How about you do what you can do? With men, things are impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. I 100% believe that God expects us to do what's possible. He is never going to do for you what you can do for yourself. I'll go ahead and say, Amen. That's a good preacher. He will never do for you what you can do for yourself. God expects you to do what's possible. And when you've done all that's possible, he'll do what's impossible. That you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. Still talking to us, he says, and be not conformed to this world. That's its systems, its thinking, its mentality, the way it does things, what it calls success. What, be not conformed conformed remember i told the Sunday school class this morning you know what it is to be conformed if i pour something into a mold you ever anybody ever made a cake it come out a teddy bear cake or whatever what what you know what they did they poured they poured batter into a mold and it conformed itself to the mold Be not conformed to this world. Don't you dare be pulled, in, poured into its mold. Be transformed. That's something else. Transform metaphor says caterpillar to butterfly. Nobody's putting pictures of caterpillars on the wall. Nobody's wearing butterflies on the little. Nobody's wearing caterpillars all over their their, their little girl's shirt. It's butterflies. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. What? By what you think. And why you think it and how you think. And that you may prove what is the good the perfect and the acceptable will of God. God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Look, it's in there. It's in there. You get this in you. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Teach me your precepts and I will live. (laughs) Your word is a lamp into my feet. It shows me where I'm at. And it's a light to my path. It'll show you where to go. In his will. It will show you where to go. And when your dreams matches up with God's dreams, oh my word. But if they don't, the fruit will be rotten or non-existent. The storms come, the wind blows, the rains descend, beats against the house, and the house falls. It's that simple. Let me ask you a simple question, Then we're going to pray. When what you have been taught and believe to be the Word of God... If you found out tomorrow you weren't going to live past the end of the week or if you get a phone call that you never wanted to get and they're not coming home because there's been a tragedy is your house going to stand? Or are you going to be mad at God and hate him like he's not good? This is the measure. If the whole world economy collapses tomorrow and it could. It did in 1929. Y'all remember Enron? Y'all are close <laughs> enough to Houston. You ought to. It shook the world's economy. You know what? It was, it, was, it was the booming one day and it didn't exist the next morning. Y'all remember Lehman Brothers? The world's financier one day out of existence Tomorrow if it all rolled up and you had to depend on God would your house stand? Because the the preacher from Houston on TV that's going to tell you about his blessing through financial prosperity, you know what his money will be worth? Same as yours. You know what it will be worth? Nothing. Be like in Venezuela where it takes a wheelbarrow to buy a loaf of bread. say, well, I got my money in gold. <laughs> the American government in the Depression seized all the gold. It was illegal to have it. Oh, you've got a stockpile of gold. We'll take that for the good of the country. There's laws on the books right now that in a crisis, they can come take your, they can come take your cucumbers. Do you even know that? Right now, today, if we have a national emergency and you have a garden, the government can come seize your cucumbers. Am I right or wrong? If the wheels come off, will you be okay? Will you be okay? Oh, I'm not talking about you're not shaken, that you're not stunned. Will you be okay? Because a false gospel won't give you that hope. A false gospel won't give you that assurance. You'll find out that it wasn't about financial blessing. It was about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It was about Job, though he slay me. If you're not going to live through it, though he slay me. Yet will I trust him. That's it. That's it. That's the real Jesus. Stand with me all over this house at 1234. Father, speak to us. Let it not fall on deaf ears, Lord. Let it prick our heart. Let the two-edged sword of your word lay us bare today. Lord, let a spirit of repentance fall in my life, the life of everybody in this building under the sound of my voice, anyone that hears on on the church of America, on your church of the world. Let a spirit of repentance fall today. Let us get out the shovel of the word and clean the manure out of the house of God that we can stand. Having done all, we can stand. That we can stand, armored and equipped for the fight. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. Let your let the fire fall in this place. Oh, God. Church, there needs to be, before, before, there's a, before the wind blows and the fire falls again, there needs to be a washing of the water of the Word. There needs to be a solemn assembly. There needs to be a spirit of repentance hit the church. It's then and only then that the fire can fall. Help us, God. Can that be our cry this morning? If you don't know him, that you know what? I've learned and I'm learning more and more. Help me, God, is a powerful prayer. i tell you that every week. You know what? I turned on Carter Conlon the other the Wednesday night. And you know what he was telling the people at, at Summit Bible College? He was saying, this old man that's turning 70 this week has learned that one of the most powerful prayers that I can pray is help me, God. Help me, God. I thought, what in the world are you saying, Carter Conlon? He said, I've learned that I've walked the streets of New York City saying, Help me, God. I've walked the pastors at my home saying, Help me, God. I've, I've walked the aisles of the church. I've walked the, I've walked on foreign soil. I've walked among the demonic possessed and he said, Help me, God. Help me reach them. Help me live. Help me be clean. Help me be holy. Help me. Help me. Help me. Will you across this place, can that become the cry of MAG Church in your, in your life today? Can you do that? Will you humble yourself enough right now? Right now. The, the question is rhetorical for you to answer. Right now. Help me, God. Will you? Help me, God. Help me. Help me. Come on. Will you?